don't hear echo now though. Can y'all hear echo now? Did it get better? It got a lot better. I think both okay. people need our experiences early this week when someone was doing a dual live. Hmm. Okay, so so far it sounds good. My headphones are always my purse way over there. <laughs> um, so let's just hopefully this works. Okay. All right. Speak dodge hush ash. Okay, here we go. So explain to us what is cervical cancer. Just give us like the, the basic background of what it is. So let me see if I can flip the camera because I actually was going to share this. Can you guys see this? This yes. is a picture of a uterus. So the cervix is actually the bottom half of the uterus. Um, and let's see, it's in presentation mode, so I can't make it bigger. But basically, you have the uterus, the fallopian tubes, the ovaries, um, and that's the basics of the female anatomy. So cervical cancer is anything um, in the lower portion of the uterus, the cervix, basically getting cancer. So that can be um, from the glands, which is called adenocarcinoma, or it can be from the actual uh, surface level cells. And that's usually called squamous cell carcinoma, which is the most common type. Okay, so um, I know I hear people say all the time that you catch cervical cancer from HPV. So how true is that? So that's true. There's a really strong link between the HPV virus and cervical cancer. It's actually the biggest risk factor. Um, but HPV virus can also cause a lot of different other things. So you may get warts on your hands or your feet. Um, some people get genital warts. That's all caused by the HPV virus. And those are not necessarily cancerous. They do not turn into cancer. And so what is HPV for those who don't, who don't know what that is? So HPV is the human papillomavirus, and it's called that because the little warts, the technical name for the warts, are papillomas. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So human papillomavirus, HPV. Um, and here's the thing. There are over 150 types, um, but there are some that are more high risk, we call it. So strands 16, 18, those are the ones that we test for when we do pap smears. So, but with HPV, I know you can, you can contract it like early on and then it goes away and then you can recontract it later. Yeah. Right. So it's tricky. So it's kind of like the common cold, right? So any of us can catch a virus at any time. The flu is a virus, the cold is a virus, etc. Um, so HPV is a virus just like that. And you do not have to actually have sexual intercourse to contract it, okay? Um, coming up, like I said, it can get on your palms. It can get on your soles. Just touching touching it. Um, or so this is a sex show. So um, dry humping and sex without actual penetration, oral sex, um, penis, like anal, anal sex, all that stuff. Anything that comes into contact with someone who has the virus on their skin, uh, anyone can contract it that way. So it does not require, you can be a technical virgin, but have done everything else and still contract HPV. Oh, see, I didn't know, I did not, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so outside of HPV, um, what are some other risk factors for cervical cancer? Like how else, how else can someone... I don't say catch it, but right. it. So just like any other cancer, you really need to know your family's history because a family history of everybody and their mama got cancer uh, puts you at higher risk of any type of cancer, including 
uh, cervical cancer. Um, but the biggest thing is going to be um, smokers. So smoking increases most risk of like, you, we think about smoking and lung cancer. Um, right. You are much more likely to progress to cervical cancer if you are a smoker. Um, and then the number of sexual partners can also be a factor. So we're in the age of liberation, sexual freedom. It's amazing. You know, we're in the middle of the Me Too movement, um, which has really pushed the, our thoughts on women owning their sexuality, right? Um, right. But with every choice comes another consequence or another choice. And so we know that the more you are exposed, it's kind of like how teachers uh, get, catch colds all the time because they're around snotty nose kids. It's, um, the more you're exposed to more sexual partners, the higher your risk is of contracting the HPV virus. So why do you think there is uh, a higher rate of, of cervical cancer in black women more so than other races? Um, that's a really interesting question. So it's multifactorial as is anything. Okay. Um, don't let anybody give you one answer for, for why black folks have more diseases than um, anybody else. But the reality is that in this country, um, African Americans have higher rates of almost all the cancers and die at higher rates. So for cervical cancer, um, for a black woman, most, most of the time it is caught between ages 35 to 65, um, which is when we do the most testing. Um, but you, there are other risk factors. So obesity, like I said before, smoking, your diet, the less fruits and vegetables you eat, the more at risk you are for cancer of any sort, particularly cervical cancer. Um, and, you know, in the South, we have an obesity problem. Um, in America in general, we are bigger than anybody else in the world. Um, but you can find more of these in more of the African-American population. Um, you also have to think about um, the socioeconomic status, right? So somebody just posted, they didn't teach this in sex ed. Well, right. are they, is there sex education in classes, in schools? Are we talking to our kids about it? What does home life look like? Um, you know, how early are teens having sex, right? Um, are they protecting themselves? Do they know about condom use? Do they know things like, it doesn't matter if you use a condom or not. If you put your body part near it and it has HPV, you're you probably going to get it. Yeah. yeah. So lots of reasons um, why we may have more exposure, but the reality is that um, you have to get the pap smear. And so we know that poor people, uh, working class people, a lot of times have less insurance. Um, they have less access to a primary care doctor or gynecologist who's gonna do regular screening, um, or at least a perceived access to barrier, barrier to access. Um, and so what was happening was a lot of the reasons why black women were dying more um, or were, um, we were seeing higher rates of actual cervical cancer is because they weren't getting the pap smear well in advance for us to catch it before it became cancer. Does that make sense? So how, how often should we get a pap smear? I, I heard now 
it's like what every three years or so how often should you get one so I'm glad you asked because it's funny, even with the guidelines being out for years, um, there's a lot of doctors that are still doing it differently. And then the guidelines also recently changed. So the hard and fast rule is that nobody under the age of 21 gets a pap smear. Oh. So the old school thinking was any woman or girl, teenager, who was sexually active as soon as you became sexually active you got your pap smear that is not the case we found that there were way too many interventions happening way too early when like you said when you have a normal healthy functioning immune system a lot of times your body will fight off the human papillomavirus just like it fights off a cold just like it fights off the flu so under 21, healthy individuals do not get pap smear. For your 21st birthday, you can gift yourself a pap smear. Um, from 21 to 29, so that's anybody under the age of 30, you get a pap smear only, and that's every three years as long as they are normal. And I do want to pause here, and I want to um, acknowledge our LGBT community, our transgender community, this goes for anyone with a cervix, okay? Anyone who still has a uterus and cervix needs a pap smear starting at age 21 up until 29 every three years. Um, that's women, that's trans women, that's trans men who still have services. Um, this is really important because even after you, you know, section off minorities in the country, Latinas, Latina women have the highest uh, amount of cervical cancer than African-Americans. But if you break it down into our trans populations, our LGBT populations, you can see much, much higher numbers. So that is something that I, would, I definitely wanted to bring to light. So no pap smear under the age of 21, from 21 to 29, every three years. And then from 30 to 65, this is where the recommendations just changed last year. So you can either do a pap every three years like you were already doing. You can do a pap plus an HPV test, and that will stretch it to every five years as long as it's normal. Or you can just do an HPV test every five years. Okay, so what's the HPV? What is an HPV test? What is that? So it's just, they'll still do a a speculum exam um but all they do is just kind of swab it and then put the sample in the container and send it off to um your pathologist instead of because the pap is actually using the brush to kind of scrape the surface of the cells off so what's the difference now i still gotta get the stirrup <laughs> you do so a lot of it less this is a great time to really cl clarify some things so a pelvic exam by itself, a pelvic exam is you're in the stirrups and I'm using that speculum and we're going to take a look around. A pap smear is a pelvic exam where then I take a brush or a spatula and scrape off a few of the cells off the surface of the cervix to send those to pathology to be looked at under the microscope. Right. An HPV test alone is kind of just like getting swabbed for gonorrhea and chlamydia. You still get in the stirrups. I'm still pulling out the speculum, but we're just taking a quick little swab and then sending that. 
Oh, I mean, it was to me. If I got to do all that, well, I must go ahead and get the pass me. If I got to do all the work, I mean. The, yeah, I mean, there may be a cost difference. So there's, you know, that. But the reality is that a lot of women don't know. And this is a really good question to ask your doctor. When is the last time you did a pap smear on me? Because you might get a pelvic exam every year. A lot of folks still do that just to make sure everything looks normal to the naked eye. But it may have been, um, you know, two or three years before they actually, you know, since the last time they did a pap smear. Okay, the passmers when they get a little brush done, the little yes. Okay, so yeah, the I, little I, brush. I can feel that, so I know when I get that. Yes. So somebody says annually if you're predisposed due to family history. So what I'm what I'm speaking on now um, is definitely if you are healthy, if this this is just screening, and this is you know with the assumption that you do not have a very strong family history or have not had cervical cancer or abnormal pap smears in the past. Okay. So I do want to say that. Question. Yes. So can you, can you have abnormal pap smear like one time or something and then the next two, three years, they kind of come back normal? Absolutely. So your body may have cleared the HPV virus that was then causing the cellular changes. Um, there's a lot of different ways to actually get a normal pap smear after an abnormal one. But the, the most common thing that we see is, you know, maybe you're 21, 22, you're getting your first pap smear. You had HPV, you had some cellular changes that came and, you know, maybe they were precancerous cells. And then over one to two years, your body cleared it out. Everything went back to normal. So by the time we look again, everything is normal. What I will say is that if you have an abnormal pap smear, um, they should be doing, if you're from 21 to 29 and they just did a pap smear and it came back abnormal, they should be doing an HPV test on it as well, okay? Um, if both of those are abnormal, you have abnormal pap and a positive HPV test, you will be getting something called, you'll likely get something called a colposcopy. And that's where we bring out a big telescope looking thing. It's kind of like a in-office microscope and really look closely at the cells um, and maybe take a biopsy. Biopsy, that sounds like it hurts. Yeah, I, I try to be nice and numb up the area a little bit, um, but it's quick. Next question. So yes. what we, t we talked about HPV, talked about... Um, Oh, okay. Symptoms of cervical cancer. Like, how would I know outside of having an abnormal pap smear? Like, is there any other things I should know that should give me pause? So, yes. Um, one of the biggest symptoms is going to be abnormal bleeding. Um, if you are regular and your uh, period comes every single month at the same time and you know there's no way you could be pregnant and you start having spotting or you start having a lot heavier bleeding um, or something is just, you know, maybe a rusty discharge that you're just not used to, that's definitely a reason to go to your gynecologist, especially if it happens for more than one or two cycles um, in a row. So what about this? Um, let's backtrack for a second. What about this yes. HPV vaccine that you hear on TV all the time? So is, is yeah. that, that work? Is, is, so 
So, yes. So the thought is that if we give it to you younger, when you are 11 or 12, it gets the best immune response and it protects you just like any other long-term vaccine would protect you. Um, it's not a hundred percent because no vaccine is, but it's pretty good. Um, and they actually, this year, the FDA approved it to go all the way up to 45 years old. So, right. So that's, <laughs> here's the thing. It's going to be more effective um, the younger you get it. We want people to get it before they start becoming sexually active or having any sexual contact because that's going to be the best chance to give your immune system to bolster against this, this virus. Um, historically, we have said you can get it up until the age of 26, and we still feel that way that you're going to get the best protection by then. But it is... Um, yeah, you do have to, the cutoff is 45 now if you really, 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 really want it. So someone, the question is, is it still inaccessible to persons with latex allergies? So the Gardasil is the one that is the most common. And that one you can get if you have a latex allergy. You cannot get it if you have a severe yeast allergy. Um, so some people are allergic to like the yeast in bread. That one is going to be a contraindication. Um, there's another one, I think it's called Cervarix, and that's the one that you cannot get if you have a latex allergy. But I would definitely let your doctor know about that before they give you the vaccine so that they can make sure they're giving you the appropriate one that will not give you an anaphylactic reaction. So are these like um, like the flu vaccine you have to take every year? Like how long does the vaccination last? So after you're vaccinated with your series, um, depending on when you get the vaccines, it's going to be uh, one, two, or three shots. You're done. You do the whole series and over a course of a year. So it's um, you get it once and then again, I think it's four, six months later and then again a year later and then you're done. Um, and at that point, it should be a lifelong um, vaccination. The other thing too is that most people settle out and either get married or get partnered up or just start to have fewer partners over your lifetime. Mm. So if you have been vaccinated before the age of 26, the thought is that you're probably going to start having fewer and fewer partners, um, which is less exposure. And then you'll probably need less immunity, if that makes sense. It does. So um, make sure if you have any questions, you can ask them in the comments and we will answer them to the best of our ability. So next <laughs> question. So how can it be prevented? I know you said it's, it's skin to skin contact, so it doesn't like it really can be prevented other than the vaccine. Is there other ways, it can, you, other things you can do to prevent it? The biggest thing is getting the vaccine. And if we have any people on here who have kids, who have teenagers, when you take them to the well child check, your doctor should, the doctor or nurse should be offering this. Um, make sure that you are really kind of doing your research. Uh, we definitely recommend getting them vaccinated um, at a younger age. Or if you're going off to college, um, getting it vaccinated. Because somebody put in the comments, college life. Yes, college life is lit. So, um, Definitely the vaccine is going to be the biggest thing. Um, getting your pap smears regularly. So keeping up with them. I do know some people who still get them every year. Um, I don't know if your insurance will pay for it every year. It's not recommended every year anymore because we do know that 
it takes a really long time. And I'm talking about anywhere from six to 10 years, a lot of times for cancer, for the cells to go from precancerous to actual cancer. Um, and there's a lot of steps in between that. We have things that we can do. Like I said, we can look with the colposcopy. We can do um, cryotherapy to burn it off. We can shave off the cells in a, sur- a quick surgical procedure. So there's lots of stuff we can do that if we do find precancerous cells to stop it from going to cancer. Um, the other thing is to, if you smoke, at all tobacco products, please, please stop. It's just, it. that's one of the, the biggest uh, risk factors as well. And then condom use, particularly if um, you are having new partners, I have to say, I cannot tell you enough. Um, chlamydia is also another risk factor um, for getting um, cervical cancer. If you have a chlamydial infection, um, it opens the cervix up to HPV, um, and then eventually, you know, to cervical cancer. So absolutely protecting yourself at all costs. And then having the conversation with your partner. Do you have genital warts? Have you ever been diagnosed with genital warts? Um, you know, do, have you ever been diagnosed with any sexually transmitted infection? Um, and then taking precautions to protect yourself. If that's oral sex, then using dental dams or using condoms during oral sex. Um, you know, you just have to be mindful, especially when we have Tinder and <laughs> Bumblebee and all the apps. Um, it's so much easier to come into contact with people who um, may have something that you can't even see on the skin. I mean, there is no way to see this virus. Yep. Right. Um, A question asks, why don't they check males for it? Or why is there no standard testing for men? So that's a great question. We should talk to uh, researchers, pharmaceuticals, the government, lots of people about that because, um, you know, they even just recently were testing men for the birth control pill and they stopped because they said it was too many side effects. So, um, <laughs> men, men are so such babies. You hear me? Listen, so <laughs> they, they do not have to go off through all of these pap smears and speculum tests. Um, but there are actually, um, pap smears, there are anal pap smears for men, um, particularly who are at higher risk for a um a cancer so anal cancer penile cancer that kind of thing so um it's not standard because we just don't you know there's there's only select populations usually who will go on to um, get cancer in men from hpv right so um men who maybe are not circumcised are a little bit higher risk for getting penile cancer if they have hpv um men who have sex with other men um, are at higher risk for getting anal cancer um, from HPV. And we will do pap smears on high-risk populations or populations uh, in which individuals have told us that they have higher-risk sexual practices. Um, so there is such a thing as a male pap smear or um, a pap smear of the anal region in uh, maybe our, Ooh, you know, a transgender patient. They get up in steps too. <laughs> And they put the little, the little, little, little mouth thingy. Um, no, you don't really have to do that. Um, you can just kind of use the brush. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, the speculum does. The speculum is too large and doesn't really work on the because the, the anal sphincter will will crush my speculum. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Yeah, but um, 
there is a way there is a way to do it and it's not as common you're going to find that more in centers that are definitely catering to more to or serving more of the lgbt population i know um when i was in, living in boston we had fenway health and they were the largest lgbtq serving um federally qualified health center so they did them all the time um so in your run-of-the-mill family practice office, a lot of times you're not going to get that type of testing, um, but a lot of times you really don't need need it. So, so uh, another question is, um, this may, may or may not be related to cervical cancer, but what are your thoughts regarding Yanni steaming and vaginal health? I know she didn't ask me that, <laughs> but that's in you. But, you know, I personally don't feel like uh, you, your vagina doesn't need any help. It cleans itself, but go ahead. Well, I mean, you can you can keep talking. How do you say you don't? You're against it. <laughs> I'm not against it because you yeah. know I, um, I want to do one. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the thing. I personally don't feel like you need it. You don't need to do it. Like your vagina is a self cleaning organ. So yeah. like you don't like like douching. You know, that right. was the thing in the '90s because it was popular. People were doing it. We didn't need to do it. Right. Um, so I think vaginal steaming is just just the the new thing the the new thing yeah like so i do believe i haven't done a whole lot of research on this but i do believe that vaginal steaming yoni steaming yoni eggs have a historical basis in i think the middle eastern culture um indian culture and so what happens a lot of times is when things by the time they get to america home of the capitalist it's all for profit and it's lost the original intent or meaning uh, whether it has some type of spiritual meaning or a body connect mind body spirit connection or something like that so to my belief there are women who do it for that reason and women who um continue to practice it as a means of hygiene who may or may not have you know because everywhere in the world does not have running water um, the way we do clean, you know, or access to hot water and that kind of thing. So I would have to know more about the origins, but I, I feel like there's some roots in it that have nothing to do with anything that we know about. Um, what I will say about the vagina is that it is a self-cleaning oven, just like you said. Um, and here's the other thing. A lot of women, y'all, the vagina is supposed to smell like a vagina, okay? It's right. not supposed to smell like a rose. It's not supposed to smell like Victoria's Secret. Um, it's supposed to smell like a vagina. And so a lot of women are not comfortable with their natural smell. Um, they don't, you know, a lot of times we just don't spend enough time with our bodies, learning our body and really um, kind of being one with it and understanding how it works. And so we use these artificial things from the outside, you know, to kind of spruce it up or we want to bejazzle it, um, make it look cute, all that stuff. But like, it does what it does. Um, It is designed perfectly. The inside lining sheds every day, just like our skin sheds. Um, And you have mucous membranes in there to produce the mucus to kind of push out anything that doesn't need to be in there. So um, yeah, it's not really necessary. I've heard that um, some women feel, you know, maybe it increases the blood flow down there. So when you're getting it on, maybe it has a little bit more sensation. I'm not sure. I've never done it. Yeah, I have to. I'm. I'm. I'm a, I need to make an appointment. I had an appointment. I canceled it. I need to make another one. I'm just curious as to see, you know, how it would be after the fact. Like I, I know I don't need one for like vaginal health per se. For me, I don't. Yeah. Um, but I am curious as to see how what will happen afterwards. So, question. So, let's say someone does get cervical cancer. So, what is 
like the chances of someone surviving that african-american women yeah so um the african-american survival rate unfortunately is um about 40 percent higher than or sorry so we have a 40% higher chance of dying from cervical cancer than any other group in America. Um, and like I said, a lot of that is due to access issues um, or follow-up issues. Um, you know, it's it can be scary when you get a bill for $200 um, and then another one, another one, another one, because you keep having to have these procedures and these interventions. Um, I think there are something like 14,000 cases of cervical cancer last year, and then um, about 4,000 deaths. Let me see. Actually, I did grab those numbers, um, but it's very, it's still very rare to die from this cancer, okay? So I don't want people to be afraid. When I make my phone calls and I'm telling women, we detected something on your pap smear. I've had, I've spent two hours on the phone before because people just, the whole life just feels like it breaks down. It is, so if you get, if you're getting your pap smears on time, it is high, high, high percentage that, you know, the chance that we are catching it in time and that we can still watch it. We can wait. We can take a biopsy. We can wait another six months, another year. Because like I said, it grows very slowly. And then, you know, repeat the pap smear and uh, do the interventions, as we said. Now, if you if you are diagnosed with high grade, um, because high grade dysplasia goes on to be cancer at higher rates than low grade dysplasia or CIN1. And these are all terms that you got to talk to your doctor about because they take a while to explain. Um, but high grade dysplasia um, we're going to watch more closely. So we are going to do another intervention, whether it's a repeat pap smear to make sure it was, you know, came back the same, a colposcopy, um, another repeat pap in a year, even if we think it was okay, we're going to follow that up more aggressively. So I did find my numbers. Um, so the predictions from the American Cancer Society for 2019 is that 13,000 new cases of uh, cervical cancer will be diagnosed and that's invasive cervical cancer so real cervical cancer it's already moving in the body and this is not like the precancerous pap smear stuff we're like advanced so 13,000 of those cases will be diagnosed and then they're predicting that 4,000 uh, women will die from cervical cancer um, and that's going to be it's most frequently diagnosed anywhere from 35 to 44 and again it's Hispanic women first black women um, and then Asian specific islanders and for some reason Native American women um, just are very, have very 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 low rates so I think that there is something genetic and biologic going on um, with the different races in addition to some of the other risk factors but again with most of our cancer stuff you know we'll probably know all these answers in 10 or 20 years uh, we just don't know them yet so question so how does and, and, and if you don't answer this, that's fine. But how okay. does having cervical cancer, like, I would assume that would affect someone's sex life. So ha have you had a patient who um, is, who has survived cervical cancer, like, have a negative, ha has it had a negative effect on, like, their sex life, their libido, their desire, stuff like that? So getting a diagnosis of cancer uh, oftentimes 
decreases the libido, period, because it's scary. Um, it can lead to a lot of mood changes, depression, um, and really an uncertain future, right? Um, and if you think about the ages that we're diagnosing it, we're diagnosing it anywhere from 35 to um, 45, that, you know, that age range. These are women who a lot of times have younger kids. Um, and so that it's affecting their whole entire family and they are already light years ahead thinking about that. So if you do get a diagnosis, um, just know that we have lots and lots and lots of technology and it's not the end of the world. Uh, your chances of survival are pretty high, but here's the deal. Um, you, if you do have cervical cancer and we have caught it um, within, you know, a reasonable amount of time, that means that we are probably going to do a hysterectomy um, and remove the actual cervix um, if it's already invasive. So, of course, you have stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. Um, if it is more surface level and we think that we can just remove part of the cervix, like I said, from cryotherapy um, or a cone, elite those are all procedures we can do we can just take portion a portion of the cervix so maybe half of the cervix are a centimeter or two off and if that comes back clear we're done and then you go back to your pap smear testing if it's more invasive than that and it's up into the uterus we do have to take the entire uterus so that's a hysterectomy um, and then depending on the staging and where we caught it uh, chemotherapy and radiation may be a part of your, your treatment. Um, lots and lots of women get hysterectomies for all different types of reasons, whether it's heavy bleeding, fibroids, um, cervical cancer, uterine cancer, and go on to have fabulous sex lives because we, <laughs> we stay away from the G-spot. So you'll still have a great, you know, you'll still have a G-spot. You'll still have your pleasure zone. Um, and most of the time, it does not really affect the sensation um, for you or your partner. I mean that's definitely if it's if it's advanced um, and that's going to be more if we're talking like um, an endometrial cancer or uterine cancer where it's much higher up um, when it's still right at the cervix level most of the time we can get it with something called a leak procedure which is where we're just using a, a small thin wire metal wire with we put electricity and we can just take off a little scoop of the cervix uh, a colonization is where we take the scalpel and just cut off a little scoop of the cervix again or cryotherapy which is where we burn off the bottom you know a little portion maybe one to two centimeters of the cervix so those are the most common interventions so by the time it's gone to like uterine cancer like isn't there like definite signs though or sometimes no. So, so a lot of times, no. Like I said before, a lot of times you're going to get vaginal bleeding. Um, some people may feel bloating. Some people may feel pain. But if you're feeling pain, it's usually really advanced at that point. Um, so a lot of times there really are not huge, you know, huge um, warning signs except for the bleeding. And what happens is, we will get a lot of times we'll get people in who will be like, yeah, you know, here's the other thing, especially over 65. Right. So this is for our more seasoned saints. Um, if you are over or even over 50. So most women go into menopause around 50. Right. If you have been in menopause, you have not bled in two or three years. You know, you are good, good in menopause. Um, if you start to have bleeding again, even if it's light spotting, 
that's a reason to go to your doctor. And if you still have a uterus, that's a reason to get a pap smear or an endometrial biopsy to make sure we know what's going on. Because um, abnormal uterine bleeding or just, you know, random bleeding, especially bleeding after menopause, is cancer until otherwise proven. Child, I'm about to go to the mic, go t- tell me a pass, man. You got me nervous, child. Listen. <laughs> Don't nervous. be nervous. I am nervous too late. I'm nervous. I'm no. Tomorrow, because <laughs> don't no 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 we and that's the thing that's the beauty of it you know we are very fortunate as Americans because I've done a lot of global travel and um, cervical cervical cancer is wiping out women across the globe um, especially in Africa it's it's horrendous um, and these are women who would not die from it if they were in America because we have Pap smears um, and I think you can probably even go to the health department and get a free Pap smear if you know. <laughs> push comes yeah if push comes to shove um and then you have planned parenthood and if you depending on if you don't have insurance depending on your income they will scale the prices so at this point um you know once you know better you do better and so knowing that you know this is a real a real issue especially for, in our community there is no reason to skip your pap smears or wait and get one every 10 years or something like that Girl, I'm making an appointment tomorrow. You playing? I'm so <laughs> now I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting here like, cause I'm on birth control, so like, I don't have. I'm on, um, oh Jesus, the Exponon. Okay. So like, I don't have periods. So like, I, I may spot or something. So I'm like, now I'm like, Lord, is that a spot or is that, like, or is that cancer? I'm going to the doctor. Well, here's the thing. So next one on one of the biggest side effects is abnormal bleeding because it really thins out the lining of the uterus. And Mm -hmm. so we expect that it's that you're going to have spotting. But if you are up to date and and listen, go to the doc. I love it. Go. Everybody on here, y'all go to your doctor. Um, This is my my three year mark. too. I'm going to the doctor. Yeah, when you, um, and the other thing too is you can always call the doc and, you know, speak to the nurse and ask, hey, when's the last time I had a pap smear? Am I due? Um, we keep that on on electronic medical record now. So there's no reason to not know. I'm going to the doctor because this is my, this, this, will be, this will be my third year because when I went to the last time, it's like, well, you know, it's every three years type thing. I'm like, okay, cool. But this, this will be my third year. No, 16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah, this will yeah. be my third so, child, now you got me nervous. Tomorrow, I'm making an appointment. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> Anybody who is overdue, this, tomorrow is a great time to make that phone call. So, somebody asked, can I ask on a different topic, why do you think there are a lot of women who suffer from PCOS? I have no idea what that is. What is that? So, PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, that is basically a syndrome where the ovaries produce lots and lots of uh, follicles that do not mature into eggs. And so a lot of times you have random ovulation or no ovulation at all um, because it has to mature in order to ovulate. So risk factors, again, for PCOS, you're going to see, um, you know, so obesity, um, you have something called metabolic syndrome. If you have hypertension, uh, prediabetes or diabetes, all of those, you know, it's kind of one of, we don't know if it's the chicken or the egg, right? So the PCOS can put you at high risk for those things or having those 
other uh, syndromes can put you at higher risk for PCOS. Um, but again, there's a genetic component because some people are young, healthy, fit, normal weight, all the above, and still get PCOS. That you know, so there's still a genetic component that we have not completely cleared up. Um, but that is a big, another big problem in our community. So when it comes to the female repro system, um, black women are really getting affected by PCOS. We're getting affected by fibroids a lot um, and cervical cancer. Yeah. Another question is, speaking of hysterectomies, it is, is it possible to get one if you're a single woman without children actually sure you don't want to have kids? A hysterectomy is not a form of birth control. So um, if you need it because of a medical necessity, which would be um, severe, you know, heavy, heavy bleeding, heavy periods, um, painful, really severe fibroids, endometriosis, something else that um, is a true medical indication um, or cancer, of course, um, then we would be happy to uh, go with you over, you know, the options of having a hysterectomy. Um, but if you want it for the purpose of not having children, uh, I would recommend a long-acting reversible contraception um, or getting your tubes tied. Or you can, you can listen, let me tell you about, I'm, I'm on, like I said, next, next plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Haven't had any slip-ups, none, none of that. I love it. You put in your arm, child. It's like you forget it's there. You ain't had no babies. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Try that. Yeah. And IUD is actually, um, IUD is one of the, the research shows that you may have a lower risk of cervical cancer if you have an IUD too. So we have IUDs, Nexplanons, um, as our long acting reversible contraception. Um, you can get an IUD that's up to 10 years. Um, Ooh, you end up, which one is that? The copper, copper T IUD. It's 10 years. Um, the Mirena is five. Skyla is three. We have lots of them now. And then the next one on that goes in the arm is three years. Cause I I love um this uh the one in my in the arm, like I love it. I'm ta- I'm taking it out. It come well it comes out well, it was supposed to come out in um October, I believe. Mm-hmm. 16, 17, 18. No, it, it comes out, it, it comes out this year. Okay. Um and I was thinking about putting another one back in, but I'm not going to do that because I actually do want to have kids. So I'm going I'm to take it out and then I might put another That's one back exciting. in. That's mm-hmm. exciting. So anyone I- who is trying to have kids, I will say this. If you stop your birth control, make sure you're taking a tablet of folic acid every day. Um, that is going to reduce the symptom, the risk of neural tube defects. And those are more common before women even know that they're pregnant. So if you're trying or you're sexually active and not on birth control, and you're in reproductive age, take a folic acid tablet every day. Folic acid Or a prenatal vitamin with folic acid in it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, girl. Um, get you get you some birth control child. Get you get you an IED or one of these things in your arm. I have not had <laughs> in years and they work perfectly fine for me. I, I don't have a baby because this thing in my arm. Like, you know. <laughs> 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 I think it's like nine nine uh Yeah. Ten percent, like mm-hmm. had that one percent of chance, but I'm I am a faithful, <laughs> and I have not had any 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 slip ups. Awesome, good. So, do you have any que- any other things you want to leave with us? Anybody I, have any other questions? 
I had one one lady ask me a question on Instagram that said um, that you know my my paps are always abnormal. Is it because of my um, what did she say? Is it because of unprotected sex? And I will say this: um, not necessarily. You may have contracted the HPV virus a long, long time ago, and then just did not clear it. Um, for some reason, your immune system just may not have cleared it, and it may be causing persistently abnormal. Um, pap smears so yes I will say this this is a personal experience so I will say um one person in particular I was at at some years ago and with with that person in particular I was having abnormal pap smears Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I once I stopped fooling him Wow. I mean, that's just like, it's, it's like Jesus. It's, uh, but, but I think that situation, um, he was happy with other parts. I think that had So that's the other thing. You can't control uh, who your partner has sex with. And that gets to be even less in your control when you are having sex outside of a, you know, committed um, or at least conversation where you all have determined maybe you are each other's only sexual partners. And that does not have to necessarily be the case if that's not what works for you because there are lots of ways to do life and lots of ways to do sex. Um, But you should know that you may have a partner who has another partner who may be dealing with the same issues or who may have some other um, disease. And I will say too that um, while we're speaking on STDs and multiple partners and protecting yourself and all that, um, HIV is one of the biggest risk factors um, as well for cervical cancer because it compromises the immune system. So the same way we were talking about, you know, your body, your immune system clearing the human papillomavirus, if you have HIV and you cannot fight off infections as easily, that goes for not being able to fight off HPV as well and can set you up for cervical cancer. All right, we have a question here. It says, on the topic of kids, can you go to a fertility clinic just to make sure things are are okay? Absolutely, yeah. Um, It depends on your insurance and if they take insurance as to how much that's going to cost. Um, just to see if things are okay, but absolutely. Um, if now, usually, what happens though is you're going to start with your primary care doctor or your gynecologist because um, you may not have fertility issues depending on if you've been trying for long enough and if you've been trying correctly. So I would not just drive up to a fertility office um, as my first stop. I would definitely go to a primary care office or my gynecologist first and have them do all the basic tests and ask you the basic questions uh, to see if you are actually struggling with fertility issues or not. And then they can refer you on. But yes, um, if, you know, if everything looks okay to us and you're still having trouble getting pregnant, you absolutely can see a fertility clinic um, to see if, you know, his semen count is okay, if your tubes are still open, et cetera, et cetera. Because sometimes it's not us ladies, it's him. Okay. His count his count be low, but he don't wanna he don't wanna buy it. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so so how would you 
you know if your tubes are blocked? Like, what blocks tubes? The biggest thing that blocks tubes is gonorrhea or chlamydia infection because a lot of times if they go unchecked or undiagnosed, um, which means they're going untreated, they can scar down the fallopian tubes. So... Go over the symptoms of that right quick so we can... So one of the biggest symptoms is abnormal bleeding, again, for gonorrhea or chlamydia because it's affecting, it's irritating the the cervix, right? So it's kind of like if your nose gets irritated and you blow it and it's a little bit of blood, it's the exact same thing. Um, also, pelvic pain. So a lot of women who are just like bent over in pain, um, don't really know why, having a little bit of weird spotting, I would get to the gynecologist or to your family doc. I don't have the pain problems. I'm making an appointment tomorrow. You don't, you don't, I'm telling you, you made me nervous. <laughs> I, am I didn't mean to scare anybody. <laughs> I, 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 tomorrow, so I can get this done. So I can make, I can make sure that my uh, cells are normal and I don't have cervical cancer. So, any more? Is there, are there any more questions? I'm trying to see if anybody got any more questions. This was a good. This was a good uh, topic and good conversation. Thank you. It has been good. And I would love to come on any time, dear. There's so much we can talk about. Um, But I would, yes, I would tell people, so I know a lot of people were Googling as we were talking. Definitely it's okay to Google some of the things that we talked about and get more clarity on them. Um, But I would advise anyone who has any further questions specifically about your body. If you have concerns, if there's something that does not feel right, um, go to your doctor and have a conversation so that they can specify this to you. Because like I said, you may have risk factors that we don't know about. Um, you may have unique situation. Um, you may have individual needs and all of that should be addressed with your doc. Um, she's in South Carolina. Somebody asked her, where do you practice at? Yes, I practice in Columbia, South Carolina at Palmetto Health Richland Family Medicine Center. So come see me. <laughs> now I would love if you two could talk on postpartum health. Oh, that's good. Yes, because that sex after babies is child. <laughs> we got we, we'll out we'll 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 text. Okay, and so we can schedule that anyway. Yeah. But thank you for coming. thank you for having me. It's and been great. It has been great. And thank you guys for watching. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. Good night.